0: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, today, we're starting a brand new series on Paul's letter to the Philippians. And my task is to introduce the book uh, and to set the scene for what is to come. As I imagine, we'll be studying Philippians at least until Easter, if not a little bit beyond. Now, if you ask a question, what's your favourite letter of Paul? I think most would say Philippians. It has a warm pastoral tone and it's full of encouragement and memorable verses. Many people love it because of its emphasis on joy. So chapter 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Someone should write a chorus on that. People love it too for its mixture of theological depth and practical application. So we have the famous Christ hymn in chapter 2, which explores the mystery of the incarnation, but it's actually written to teach us about humility two five says in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as christ jesus who being in very nature god did not consider equality with god something to be used to his own advantage but he made himself nothing so the hymn of cry about christ there is to teach us about humility it's practical theology Uh, people love it as well for its many famous and quotable verses Like chapter one, verse six. This is one of my favourite verses. Confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Or 121. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Or 314. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Or four, six, and seven, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then four, thirteen, I can do all this. Through him who gives me strength. So, if you're already familiar uh, with Philippians, then I pray that you'll come to it with fresh eyes and ears and that we will be ready to hear what God is saying to us as a church here at Redeemer King in 2021. And if you're new to it all, then you're in for a treat. But what we need to remember is that God's inspired word, which is living and active, comes to us in different literary forms. So what kind of literature is Philippians? Well, it's a letter. It's a first century letter and we need to read it as such. So let's jump in. Uh, Let's meet the authors. Verse one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Paul uh, was the Roman or Greek name for Saul. And when we first meet him in the Bible, in the book of Acts, uh, he is overseeing the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. Paul was the chief persecutor of the church but then he met Jesus and after meeting Jesus on the Damascus road his life was transformed and he became the greatest Christian who ever lived quite simply he was multi-gifted a dynamic missionary and church planter a powerful preacher and caring pastor a gifted evangelist and astute theologian a brilliant teacher and a prolific author. There has never been anyone else like him. Only Jesus is more influential or important for Christians. Paul wrote half the New Testament and Philippians is one of 13 letters that we have. But he didn't write alone. Uh, Timothy is also mentioned here. Timothy was Paul's younger co-worker who served with him as his travelling assistant trusted companion and constant supporter and after working alongside Paul Timothy then went on to become a leader in his own right eventually uh, overseeing the church in Ephesus and the surrounding areas but but notice here that both of them are identified as servants of Christ Jesus interestingly Paul doesn't feel that he needs to assert his authority by identifying himself as an apostle it's only one of uh, three letters in fact where Paul doesn't start by saying Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God he's not come to sort of wield his authority uh, in that sense the Philippians were already respectful of Paul so uh, instead he stresses his commitment to them Uh, and actually the word is doulos which is better translated as slave This is an even lower position than that of a servant, because a slave had no rights and belonged to his master. And this is how Paul and Timothy viewed themselves as slaves of Jesus Christ. Uh, But there's no sense in the letter that, that this is a burden or that that's a bad thing. Far from it. Philippians is the letter of joy. We find meaning and fulfilment in serving Jesus and seeking to please him. And so that first line, the introduction there, prepares us for what is to come, because as we'll see in chapter two, as followers of Jesus, we have a high calling to a lowly position. We're called to a life of humble service. So much for the authors. What about the recipients? Verse one continues to to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Paul is writing uh, to the whole church whom he designates God's holy people let's just dwell on that phrase for a for a second Um, it's an interpretation of a single word that is translated in older versions as saints so here's the thing it's saying that all Christians are saints that is we all of us are God's holy ones it's not a word that applies only to some special people. And then what does holiness mean? Holiness means to be set apart from the moral pollution of the world. But saying then that a Christian is no longer uh, part of this evil world system. No, we are citizens of heaven and we have been set apart for God to pursue moral purity. Now, that's not saying we've already achieved that. Uh, We have not achieved sinless perfection. No one is claiming that. That would be a total lie. But it is talking about our status in Christ Jesus. When God looks at you, he sees you as holy. Because he doesn't see your sin, he sees his son. And because we have this status now, because we are set apart as God's holy people, therefore we are to be different in our family life, in our business practices, in our conversation, in our priorities and our values. The way we live must reflect who we are and we are God's holy people. This is our unique privilege and, and we need to grasp this because it's the key to understanding our identity. If you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are in Christ Jesus and he is in you. And that defines your whole life. Indeed, he is your life now. As Paul will say in 121, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, where specifically are these holy ones located? Well, it says they are at Philippi. So let's think about Philippi. Philippi was uh, situated in eastern Macedonia or what we would call northeastern Greece today. Philippi um, was a significant uh, city and it enjoyed a special status because it was a Roman colony. In fact, it was called Little Rome. It was like Rome in miniature. All citizens there enjoyed full Roman citizenship with special privileges. They were exempt from heavy taxes. uh, They didn't have to do military service. uh, And in fact, there was a large Roman military garrison. Uh, Station there as well uh, the people would wear roman clothes and uh, they they spoke latin rather than greek but what do we what do we know about the church in philippi uh, well the book of acts tells us quite a bit actually about what happened when uh, the church was founded there it, it happens uh, on paul's second missionary journey And we can read about it in Acts chapter 16. And my plan is that we will study that passage in our home groups during the week, because that's going to help us uh, with the background to the letter, as well as being just a brilliant uh, story. But just to summarise very briefly uh, what happens uh, when Paul first went to Philippi. So it was during his second missionary journey. He hadn't actually planned to go there. Uh, Paul was uh, in, in Turkey. Uh, revisiting churches that he'd already uh, founded on his first journey Uh, but then he had a vision he had a dream in the night and and he saw this man in Macedonia beckoning him to come over uh, to help them uh, to preach the gospel into Greece and so this was a momentous moment because it, it marked the gospel coming to Europe for the very first time and it all started in Philippi Philippi is where the gospel first takes hold in Europe, so in a sense, it's part of our story as well. Um, and the first convert was a businesswoman uh, called Lydia, whom Paul had met outside the city gates. Um, <clears throat> she uh, then, be, after she became a believer, she opened her home, and and Lydia's house became uh, the the base for the uh, the church. when it began to meet she was a god-fearing Greek citizen. Uh, Paul's preaching then led to the liberation of a demon-possessed girl who was working as a fortune teller Um, but this led to problems because um, her deliverance meant the loss of income for her masters and this led to a riot. Paul was then arrested and thrown in prison but during the night God sent an earthquake That led uh, to the conversion of the jailer and his entire household. So, out of all this, uh, the church in Philippi was birthed. And thus, there was this tight bond between um, uh, the church in Philippi and Paul from the very beginning. So, that's how how it started. The first converts then were a God fearing Greek woman, a demon possessed slave girl, and a tough guy who ran the local jail. And I think what it it means is that the church in Philippi was established on the margins of society. And we can explore this when we study Acts 16 in our groups. But I think we can take great encouragement from that as a church that is seeking to reach those whom the world overlooks. Uh, But the other thing that I just wanted to point out here in verse one uh, is that Paul singles out the leaders as recipients of this letter. It says together with the overseers and deacons now overseers are identified elsewhere as elders who shepherd the flock of god they are men of spiritual maturity who mediate the rule of christ through preaching teaching godly example and leadership it's all the same uh, office basically the terms are interchangeable pastors elders overseers uh, it's basically the same role And deacons, literally the word is servants, they were responsible for the implementation of the practical ministries of the church. So why does Paul single out the leaders? Uh, It's not obvious. Uh, Possibly he wants to draw the focus of the church onto the leaders uh, so that they are esteemed and supported and followed. Uh, there, there were some tensions in the church in Philippi, nothing too major, but uh, there are things going on there that Paul uh, uh, addresses in the letter. So I think it would have been important for the whole church to uh, to support the leadership. But furthermore, it's a reminder that the church that was formed out of those dramatic events in Acts chapter sixteen had now become established with its own structure, and that meant there was a recognisable leadership. Because uh, sometimes we can think there's a conflict, you know, the miraculous work of the Spirit and order and structure don't necessarily all sort of match up. But uh, but there is no conflict between those things. And so this letter uh, addresses a situation probably a decade on from the beginning of the church. So then there's a there's a greeting, uh, as is common in all of Paul's letters. Verse two, grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the main blessings of the Christian life. Uh, Grace summarises the gospel, that it's all of God. It's his gift. It's undeserved and unearned. And peace is the result. Because of the gospel, we have peace with God. But I think there's more to it because Paul wants them to experience more grace and more peace. That is, he wants them to experience God's all sufficient grace uh, in their lives. Uh, And he wants them to know God's supernatural peace in their hearts. And notice where these gifts come from. They come from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one source. And Paul is here stressing the co equality of the Father and the Son in the Godhead. Jesus is equal with God. Here then are all the resources we need for living as God's people in a sinful world His all sufficient grace and His superabundant peace. And that's as far as I want to go in terms of working through the letter. But I just want to make a, a few more points. Uh, That will help us get a handle uh, on Philippians. So who wrote it? Well, it was Paul with help from Timothy. When was it written? Uh, Well, there's a bit of disagreement on this. Um, There's no doubt that Paul was in prison when he wrote. Uh, Paul talks about his chains in chapter one. But which imprisonment was it? Uh, Because he was put in prison at least four times during his ministry such was the life of an apostle but the most likely scenario is that paul was in rome under a kind of house arrest uh, and if you look at the end of the letter in chapter 4 verse 22 where paul is sort of giving his final greetings he says all god's people here send you greetings especially those who belong to caesar's household that's a pretty big clue that paul uh, is in rome when he writes. So if that is right, then it's the situation that is described at the end of the book of Acts. Uh, And so we're talking about the early 60s AD. So about a decade after Paul had first preached in Philippi. Why did he write the letter? And here I think we can make a distinction between occasion and purpose. The occasion means what brought it about? What circumstances led to this letter being written? And that we can discern some clues in the letter itself. The church in Philippi loved Paul. They cared deeply about him. Um, he was their beloved apostle and pastor. Uh, and they knew that he was suffering. They knew that he was struggling materially. And so they did something very practical. They organised a collection for him Uh, to help ease his material worries so that he would be taken care of. Um, And the gift was delivered uh, on behalf of the church uh, by a man called Epaphroditus, who we meet in the text. So Philippians is Paul's thank you letter in response. That's what you do when you get a gift. Normally uh, you, uh, you write a thank you letter. And so Paul, that's what Paul is doing, particularly in the end, in the final section in chapter four, verse 10. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Verse 14, it was good of you to share in my troubles. And then verse 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And so, for Paul, this wasn't just an expression of love and concern, it was also a demonstration of partnership in the gospel. <clears throat> uh, so, Paul expresses thanks. For their gift but he also uses the letter to explain why he's sending Epaphroditus back to them uh, so the, chapter 2 uh, verses 25 to 30 he talks about that saying that Epaphras um, my brother my co-worker my fellow soldier your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs um, well Epaphroditus poor chap became very ill and he almost died Um, And uh, that was breaking Paul's heart. Um, But he survived. And so Paul sends him back to Philippi uh, with the the letter that we are now studying. So those are the circumstances uh, which occasioned the letter. Um, What then about purpose? What was Paul hoping to achieve through his letter? Um, And like nearly all of his letters, we can say that there is a pastoral purpose with missional implications the tone is friendly and warm throughout there's no, there's no sense here that Paul is wielding his big stick um, to bring them into line uh, and now that it's clear there are some issues that need addressing there's a problem of disunity that crops up uh, particularly a couple of the women not getting on um, that happens that's real life that needs addressing uh, chapter three Um, seems to suggest there was a threat from false teaching Uh, most likely a a group of Jewish believers who followed Paul wherever he went uh, tried to undermine his work by insisting that new converts had to be circumcised as well you know that faith in Christ wasn't enough that they they had to do something else on top you know sort of to become Jewish culturally Paul will have none of that Uh, his language is quite strong in chapter 3 verse 2 watch out for those dogs those evil doers those mutilators of the flesh Paul doesn't hold back in fact that could have come straight out of Galatians Um, but that's in the background uh, and Paul feels the need to give a warning but there's nothing to suggest that the church was following uh, this false teaching Um, so it's part Part thank you, letter, part warning. Um, but if you want the main theme, I would suggest chapter 1, verse 27 as the key verse that kind of ties everything together. It says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And Philippians will show us what that means to live a life worthy of the gospel. It means remembering who you are, that you're citizens of heaven, that you belong to Christ. So we need to live as his disciples so that we shine like stars in the sky. It means standing firm in one spirit. Um, It means uh, keeping the gospel central. It means not being distracted. It means not letting other things take priority. And most importantly, it means doing those things that make for unity and for peace. So, there's so much uh, that could be said, but I, I think that's enough for starters. Other themes and emphases will emerge as we work through the text, verse by verse. But let's keep in mind the big idea that our task as individual believers and as a church is not just to preach the gospel, but to live it out, to live lives worthy of the gospel. And that means to live in a way that is consistent with the gospel. It means building our lives on Christ. It means living in unity with others. It means being filled with joy and peace. It means practicing humility. It means embracing suffering. It means learning from other people. It means holding out the word of life, trusting God's sovereignty and living with eternity in view. All these ideas and themes are here in this short but wonderful letter To the Philippians and I'm really excited about what is to come and I hope that you are too so I want to encourage you to read uh, Philippians through as many times as you can uh, over the coming weeks so that when we come to Sundays you've got a head start Uh, and if there are things you don't understand write write them down write your questions down and uh, we can talk about them further in our Home groups, but let me pray and then uh, we're finished for today father god i want to thank you uh, for this letter that paul wrote to the church in philippi that's been preserved for us and thank you that you continue to speak uh, today uh, through your eternal word lord speak to us here at redeemer king in 2021 help us to hear your voice and uh, hear what you're saying to us as a church And as we study the letter, Lord, help us to see Jesus more clearly, uh, to draw closer to him and equip us, Lord, to live lives worthy of the gospel. May we know your all-sufficient grace and your superabundant peace today. Amen.